Let's join Insights with Sue, Lesson 1, A Panoramic of Prophecy. Blessings abound, my brother and sister. This is Superintendent Janice Battersby of Shekinah Worship Center, bringing you greetings once again. As yet, this is January 2022, and we have begun our fourth cohort of Escape the Coming Night. Our pastor is Reverend Dr. Maria A. Seaman, and it's such a pleasure to come to you one more time just to share with you, as I always say, a bite-sized nugget of our lesson. Now, we've gone right back to the beginning, and we're starting afresh with the Escape the Coming Night series by Dr. David Jeremiah. My goodness, it's our fourth year, and what an exciting time we've had. It's such a pleasure to read the book of Revelation with God's people, to gain an understanding for what it means, and to realize that it helps us in dealing with today's happenings. To know prophecy helps us to live for today. And so what I'm going to do is just give you a bite-sized portion of our lesson for 2022. This will be the first one. We started off with chapter one, a panorama of prophecy. Now for the first two lessons, we don't actually go into the book of Revelation. Dr. Jeremiah lays a foundation for us before we actually begin. Now as I've said before, and I'll say it again, many people haven't read the book of Revelation for various reasons. It's a mystery. They just can't wrap their head around it. It's scary. It's just too confusing. It's bad news. It's a whole lot of bad stuff happening. All sorts of reasons. But you know what? When you actually read it in a formatted, methodical way, you gain understanding, you gain hope, excitement, and joy, knowing that God has the end in his hand. He is Alpha and Omega. He's been at the beginning, he's been at the end, and he knows all that's going on. Such a feeling of reassurance comes over you. And so that's what we're doing. We're starting off on another trek through this book of Revelation, gaining more understanding and more love for God as we realize that he knows all things and we are in the palm of his hand. So I'm just gonna do a, a quick run through of what we've studied in this particular chapter called a panorama of prophecy. Now, we know that Jesus was born on the earth. He lived his ministry. He died. He was buried. He ascended. And he is awaiting his return in heaven. Now, there's three reasons why he must return, as was given by Dr. Jeremiah. Jesus must come to take his church to be with him. One day, he is going to call out those who belong to him. That is known, the church is known as the bride of Christ. And as we see in weddings, the groom meets his bride and the two become one. And that is Christ's purpose. The first purpose for him to return to the earth is to collect his bride. Now, he's not actually going to put his feet on the earth. He's going to call those who know him, who have the Holy Spirit within them, 
He is going to call and they are going to be taken up out of the earth, those that are dead and those that are alive, his church to meet him. They will be joined. We will be joined as one, as a bride with her husband. And we will go into eternity, into heaven, to feast at the marriage supper of the Lamb, much like how you have a reception after a wedding. Jesus also must come back to judge the world. See, Jesus, we know him as a baby in a manger. We know him as a savior who died on a cross. What we really don't appreciate is Jesus as judge. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And one day he will return to take vengeance on those who rejected him. That day is coming. So those of us who believe in Christ, don't give up hope. Don't be weary in well-doing. Hold on, Jesus. This story is not finished. His death on the cross was not the end of the story. He is coming back to judge the world. And then he's coming back to rule the world. After his judgment, after those who have sinned, who have rejected Christ, the devil, the Antichrist, the false prophet, all those, after all are gone, Jesus will rule. Jesus is even going to rule. He's going to rule for a thousand years once he returns. He's going to rule with his saints for a thousand years, even before we get to eternity. So those are three reasons, to take his church, to be with him, to judge the world, and to rule the world. Now, what's going to happen when Jesus comes back? Well, we know of the second coming of Christ, but before that, there's the rapture. As we said, the church is going to be taken out of the world. Now, even the disciples asked Jesus, what are going to be the signs of your coming? And in Matthew 24, Jesus gives a list of signs to look out for that are signs of not the rapture, but his second coming. The rapture occurs at least seven years prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. There are seven years of tribulation that take place between the rapture and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And Jesus tells the signs of the second coming. But you know what? We see signs. If you read Matthew 24, which talk about war and rumors of wars and pestilence, nations rising against nations, famines, earthquakes, uh, prosecution of the Christians, prosecution of those that love Jesus, false prophets appearing, love, the love of many will grow cold. We can see these things the shadows of them, even now with 2022. We, <laughs> there's not one of those that I did not just call off that has not been in the headlines in the newspaper. And even more so now, now we're dealing with a global pandemic and the world has been in a place where it's never been before. That's where we are right now. We feel different. There's something different going on. Jesus said that when we start to see these things to look up because our redemption draws nigh, his return is coming soon. It's kind of like after October, all of a sudden you see Christmas decorations going up everywhere. Well, if you're American and you see that, you know Thanksgiving's got to come first. 
Thanksgiving's coming pretty soon when you start to see Christmas decorations going up. It's that same type of mindset. It's that same type of occurrence. So as we've seen these things that have been going on around us globally, we need to start paying attention to the fact that the rapture could be at any moment. There is nothing that needs to take place before the rapture. The rapture could happen like that at any time. These things that we're seeing are signs of Jesus' second coming. It's an amazing thing to think about. Now, during the time of the tribulation, there will be no influence of the Holy Spirit. Remember, there's the rapture, the tribulation, and the second coming. The rapture, the church is taken out of the earth. The Holy Spirit is withdrawn from the earth. And mankind, without the presence of the Holy Spirit, will be even worse than he is now. If you think times are bad now, they're going to get worse. There will be no influence of the Holy Spirit. What a time it will be when the wrath of God is poured out upon the earth, upon sinful man. And we get into all those details. I'm not going to do it now, but we get into all those details in this study. But keep the end in view. Jesus will return for his own. Up will rise the Antichrist, the lawless one, the man of sin. And we're even hearing talk about the, the mark of the beast and you can't buy or sell without it. And we're seeing shadows of those things even now. Pay attention. The scriptures will not return to the Lord void. Those things that were written will be fulfilled. And after the tribulation, and the return of Christ, we have the millennium, a thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. Satan will be cast into a pit where he will remain for a thousand years. He will be loosed for a time after that. And he will deceive. There will be those who will come out of the tribulation who will go into the millennium and they will have children. And those children will have to make choices as to who they will follow. Satan will still have an opportunity to deceive after a thousand years. But he will lose. That's what the scriptures say. I'm not going to get into too much detail because that's going to unfold as we go along. So with that very, very broad picture in mind, Dr. Jeremiah says, how should prophecy impact our lives now? With knowledge, as we get to learn prophecy through the book of Revelation, how should all that impact us in how we live now? And he came up with 10 steps, 10 pointers. One is don't judge others. Now, that's a big topic because we hear that all the time. Don't judge. The Bible says don't judge. Christians shouldn't judge. But when you dig deeper into the original language and understand what scripture has to say, that word judge comes from the word crino. And amongst other things, one of the definitions is condemn. Now it says things like to, uh, to discern and to uh, note right from wrong. But in that particular instance, when it talks about don't judge, scriptures tell us that we have to rebuke, that we have to stand on the word, that we have to proclaim the word. And in rebuking, rebuking means to tell people when they're doing wrong. And so how can you not 
tell people over here, don't judge. But then the scripture tells us that we must stand on the word, proclaim the word and call sin what it is. When the scriptures say don't judge, it means don't condemn. We are not to condemn people. I am not going to tell you that you're going to hell, that you're a bad person, you're going to hell. I'm going to tell you that if you have not accepted Christ, you are a sinner. Sin has been condemned to hell. And if you choose sin, then you're going to take that path. God did not create anyone for hell. No Christian wants someone to go to hell. That's why we speak the way we do. That's why we, we preach the way that we do. But if you choose not to become a child of God, you have to know that that is your destiny. That's what we're here to do, is to proclaim the word of God and to encourage everyone to accept Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ. So when the scriptures say don't judge, it means don't condemn. Don't condemn somebody to hell. Can't do it. That's God's job, not yours. So the first thing is we don't judge or condemn. Second, we celebrate communion with true appreciation because we know what Jesus did for us on the cross, but we also know that he's coming back for us. And so every opportunity that we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we should do so with gratitude, with anticipation in what he's going to do, what he's done and what he's yet to do for us. Number three, respond to life spiritually, not personally. See, as we read through the book of Revelation, we, we're going to do a, a, a self-examination of ourselves and of others. We're going to see people in a different way and understand that there are certain patterns that people have. There are certain behaviors that people will have that have nothing to do with us. Sometimes someone may be reacting to you because of their past, because of something that's happened in their past and they're responding to you out of their past. That's not you. And when you're focused on God's word, you stick to the vertical. Keep your eye on the vertical. God will take care of the horizontal. When you're focused on his word, you will see things differently. You will respond to life spiritually and not take things personally. It's a transformation even of yourself because we all come with stuff. The scriptures cut through that and help us to see life spiritually and respond to life spiritually. We should relate to one another in love. Now that word love is God's agape love. We're not hearing this love is love. No, God is love. It's God's agape love. And as you learn prophecy and why God's coming back for his bride, he, he loves us with an everlasting love. And that's how we should love one another, forgiving one another. Knowledge of that prophecy that Jesus is coming back, we want to be found loving one another. We don't want to be found hating one another. We should preach, exhort, and rebuke. And there's that word again. Don't hold back the word. Preach in season and out of season. That means whether people want to hear it or not. They have to hear it. Whether they choose it or not, that's their choice. That's not my responsibility. I'm supposed to go out and preach the gospel, spread the good news, encourage 
men, women, children to be saved. That's each one of us. That's the commission that God has given us. So we must, especially in this day and age where the appreciation for the word of God is less and less and less. He wants us to preach more and more and more because we see how short the time is. We're seeing signs. We know it's coming soon. So we've got to get out there and do it. Don't stay away from church, especially as we see the day approaching. That's what the Lord tells us. And my goodness, at a time now in this global pandemic where churches have been shut down and people are told they can't sing and so many different things, we have got to, got to stand on the word. However we can gather, we must gather so that the Holy Spirit can flow from heart to heart and breast to breast so that we can feel his everlasting love amongst us so that we can worship his name and praise him together. Don't stay away from church. However you can get together, get together. The enemy wants to split us apart, but we will stand together. We've got to remain steadfast. Stand in the Lord, on his word. That means you've got to read his word and you've got to understand his word and then apply his word to your life. Once you do that, you stand firm, knowing that the enemy is going to attack. It's those who stand on the word that get the greatest attack but we're going to stand nonetheless. We must purify our lives. We don't want to be found with sin, sin in our lives when Jesus returns. We're going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and answer for every thought, word, and deed we have done. So we want to make sure that our lives are pure, that again, we know God's word and we do what it says. That's how we will purify our lives. You know, I heard that when you sin as a Christian and if it doesn't bother you, you're in trouble. So we want to make sure that our lives are pure, that we're always purified. And we're going to sin, we're human. But this is where we seek God's forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. That will help us in this walk and to remain pure as we prepare for Christ's return. We want to reach the lost with a sense of urgency. Hence, even what we're doing now. A sense of urgency. We don't want to see our loved ones lost, our friends lost for eternity. So we must preach the gospel. We must speak to them. We must share and we must live before them so that they would want to know, especially now. Why are you so calm? Why aren't you, aren't you afraid? No. Are you afraid of death? No, that's an open door for me to eternity with God. Will I miss my family? Yes. Do I want to go today? Not necessarily. But you know what? Whenever the Lord is ready. But we've got to have a peace in our heart that we know where we're going and to whom we are going. And keep the end in view. We've got to remain focused. Christ's return. Look up. Your redemption draws nigh. So that's this lesson, just a summary of lesson number one, a panorama of prophecy. And it's encouraging already. I know I feel encouraged, and this is my fourth time doing this. Always encouraged. Stay in the word. And for those of you that feel hopeless or stressed or afraid, 
why don't you send us an email? Swim at logic.bm. Let us know that you would like to be a part of this study. It's a slow, methodical, but rich study. We do it on Zoom, Thursday nights. Send us an email and we'll give you all the details. But we would love for you to be a part. You can also hear this by podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher under Real News Real. Something that you can share even with your loved ones. And on behalf of Reverend Dr. Maria A. Seaman and the Shekinah Worship International Ministries, Shekinah Worship Center family, I say to you, blessings abound. <laughs>